you gotta reward the guy. He stepped into a position that did not look favorable going into the year and has made something at least competitive. Before I tell you our scoring margin, Chris, do you think our current scoring margin, if we put it on last year's team, would what what place do you think we would have been in the big sky? Like just take a guess. We've had a ton of close conference games, right? Tribe from the North Brave and Bull to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the home of Idaho on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris, and with me today, Brian Marceau. How's it going, everyone? Today, we're going to be spotlighting next year's the 2020 football season's tight ends, as well as big news breaking today. Zach Kloss, who was formerly the interim head coach, has been named the full-time head coach. So we'll obviously discuss that. We had some other stuff on. This came up, what, only two or three hours before we were going to record this. So we are coming up with details. Details might arise as we do this, which is why we decided to go with the live show for those of you that follow us on YouTube. Otherwise, yeah, hopefully we'll, we, we can get started. And to get started, as always, today's episode, like every episode, is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky cold snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. Supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky cold snacks, a light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders visit montuckycoldsnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks speaking of montucky i've gotten a lot of uh requests recently that we start giving away montucky stuff so hopefully they want to sponsor us again next year and we can maybe figure out a way to do some of that for you guys we are obviously very grateful for them we hope that uh, as the year comes to an end you guys could show them some love from us as well uh, speaking of love from us, let's just roll through basketball because there's not a lot to cover as far as what happened last week. Men's team lost to NAU and Sac State. Um, the women's team dropped one of two. It was just uh, one of those – it was just a bad week for basketball, But uh, which made us think that with the tight end spotlight, we are going to have to have some time filler. But uh, as we talked about, we actually will have quite a bit to talk about. Brian, as far as what you saw from the basketball teams, any any takeaways on NAU or Sac State? You know, the big takeaway from the NAU game is we finally got a couple other double-figure scores beyond Trayvon Allen. Uh, Markel Frazier at 12, Gabe Quinette, freshman at 14. Uh, downside, Trayvon – and by the way, Trayvon's allowed to have a bad game once in a while. He's had a ton of real good games. He definitely had his worst game of the season against NAU, scored seven points, and we were blown out uh, 78-61. We were down 16 at the end of the f- first half, and that was all she wrote. Uh, Sac State was a little bit closer on paper, but r- really it was it was kind of a miserable, miserable game to watch. We scored 19 points in the first half, ended up losing by 11, but it was an 11 that felt like you know 18 or 19 uh, Trayvon had a bounce back for a bigger game there, 21 points, five rebounds. Uh, but 
that kind of, you know, we scored 56 points. If Trayvon scores 21 out of 56, it means he essentially got no help again. So there you go. Yeah. um, I do think, and we'll kind of get into this. uh, We have Northern Northern Colorado and Southern Utah coming up this week. Both of those teams are deceivingly, like, sneaky good. So I don't know how much better we're going to get here in the coming weeks. Um, But I think the next two weeks you'll see it will end strong. But uh, one thing to cover, uh, if you're in town this week, it's the women's last home games of the season. They've got Northern Colorado and then Southern Utah. So make sure you at least show up for Southern Utah at senior night. Hopefully that's enough that everybody else will be showing up when they're down in Boise anyways. But let's let's show them out the right way. This team – I don't want to say they exceeded expectations because I think their expectations were are always high for our women's team, but they really, I guess, delivered on expectations that they could lose to all-time players and still be as good as they are. I mean, Gina, Beyonce, um, everybody has just been on fire. So the Clinker sisters. So it, it's been a really fun team to watch, and hopefully we get to watch them for a lot longer, at least a couple games in the – Big Sky Tournament, and then hopefully the NCAAs, because those jerseys would look good with a little blue NCAA circle on the shoulder patch. Well, all right, Brian, we've we've talked about this a little bit all year, and it's it's come to fruition, I guess. Zach Claus has officially had the interim tag removed today and was hired as the full-time coach for the men's basketball team. I know we both talked about how there's been very limited information available right now, probably because they haven't really held a press conference about it yet. But, I mean, what are your initial takeaways just on, I don't know, like initial takeaways? It kind of came out of nowhere, I think. You know, if we're looking at momentum through a season, I wouldn't have been shocked, and maybe people would have thought they they were pulling the trigger too early. But when Big Sky season started and Idaho had a ton of close losses and we thought we were pretty sure like, hey, you know, they'll they'll build off these close losses. Some of these will turn into wins. I thought that might have been, you know, a time if we're going to hear about Coach Kloss, it's then. I can tell you the time I did not think we would hear about head coach coach head coach Kloss. In our last um, really in the month of February, we start February off with a win against Sac State in Sacramento. We follow that out with a blowout loss at Montana State, a, uh, an 11-point loss against Montana. We have one win against – we win by three at Eastern. We the, we are writing essentially three consecutive blowouts after that Eastern win. With teams, and you see that story, what a lot of people think is, okay, the team's kind of quitting on the coach. Now, I can't actually say that. I don't think they actually are. But we're at like the worst time of momentum in the entire season, and then you name the guy head coach. I can't think of a worse way to give an enthusiasm bump than to do it the way we've done it. Yeah, and I know there's been some back and forth by a lot of our listeners already. I mean, but I'm with you. It's It just seemed out of place. I mean, I obviously have the highest of hopes that this works out for us. I do think that what you can see that the way Klaus has the guys – Klaus, I always say that. Dan Christmas movie that came out. The way that Zach Kloss has the team playing, they play with a lot of fight, which is something we didn't have last year. We definitely lacked in it. But the fact that the team we've covered has just about as many D1 wins as our football team had is just ridiculous. Uh, I believe, Don't they have less? No, they both have five. 
So, yeah, yeah, we've got well, we have seven total wins, but I don't think people should give a shit about the D two or no, NAIA wins. So yeah, we've got five D one wins. Yeah. So I mean, I guess, and then you take one off the the football team. So they have one more D one win than the football team while getting to play an additional what fifteen sixteen games. So it's like, I I just. I know we're in a tough spot. We had all the NCAA stuff happen. And it's, I guess, this is an attempt at stability, which I think you're seeing the theme right now, which we'll get into as far as the the higher as far as Terry Gallick probably went into it. Most people thought Paul Petrino was gone. We had heard rumors that Paul Petrino was going to be gone. No, we didn't make a move. We knew the buyout was a lot. But maybe the situation is a lot worse than we thought it was because – I agree. I think it was Wax Party Pants that was saying this. Now, I actually will get into – I don't think this is necessarily the worst hire we could have made. It's more the fact that it doesn't even appear that there was a search. And that's what scares me. It's like, did we think there just wasn't a number out there that we could throw out anybody decent that we just said, let's go with who's here and appears to want it? I mean, obviously, you got to reward the guy. He stepped into a position that did not look favorable going into the year. And it has made something at least competitive where it seems like most of us are convinced they're going to be able to at least get one t- conference tournament game or at least make it competitive if you're down in Boise. But, yeah, I mean, the team has not won. They've been competitive, but they've also had some games that have been blown out and that they should have been competitive. I think this Sac State game last week is a great example of a team above us in the standings that we should have played better against, and we lost by 21 points. So I just it, – it's too back and forth for me going into – the, this hiring, I just, I would, I just would have rather wait till the end of the year and see what happens in the rest of the landscape. But all in all, I, nope. I'm not upset that it's costs. I just think that the process was broken. So another thing I want listeners to look at, you know, what the one of the best metrics in basketball that is simple and but also has predictive value is scoring margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're broadly speaking, if a team has a high scoring margin. It means they're killing everyone, so they're pretty good. If your scoring margin's closest to zero, it means you're okay. You're probably you might be a little bit over 500, but you shouldn't expect that team to win conference tournament. If you have a pretty low negative scoring margin, you just suck. That's it. Last season, our scoring margin was in conference was negative 14.2 last place. Before I tell you our scoring margin, Chris, do you think? Our current scoring margin, if we put it on last year's team, would what what place do you think we would have been in the Big Sky? Like, just take a guess. We've had a ton of close conference games, right? Yeah, I, I'd say sixth or seventh. What if I told you our negative seven point six scoring margin this year would still have been last? Uh, <laughs> seriously. Even with, huh? See, that's the thing that's tough, and maybe you know, I. We I how many that... games with one point margins? That's, I mean, negative but, seven seems like yeah, you're a losing team, but you're you're eight points away from being a winning team. That's wow, that's eye opening. Yeah, because you know what happened is now we we haven't lost to Montana by thirty like we did last year, mm-hmm. but because we can't score. We've had some pretty ugly games mixed in, although maybe to our credit, we're not getting too emotionally involved in those awful games. So, hey, pat ourselves on the back. But 
even though we had those close games, like those were moral victories that never crested into actual wins. Um, so, you know, I, I hope that maybe when Klaus has a full recruiting cycle that this gets better. Like we're better than last year, but we're we're not that much better. Like we're still like we went from definitively last place to hey, like other either us or Idaho State's last place, but there's a pretty big gap between that and the next step. Yeah. It's uh luckily we have Idaho State coming up and <laughs> you know, maybe this is just a way to solidify recruiting too, instead of having like two years of it's like what's really gonna be I just hope long-term this doesn't bite us. I do think there's positives, and I know Martin asked us a hashtag AskTATC, which we'll probably get to before hashtag AskTATC, about, you know, at least name the positives. Because I think both of us agree we could have made a bad hire, like a worse hire. This is just – it feels so out of left field. And I think my biggest problem with it is, do you think that this kind of – this is Terry Gallick's first real chance to put a stamp at Idaho? She didn't make a move at football. We we still have everybody. I mean, I guess soccer. No, because soccer was already hired by the time she came in. So this is her first coach hire. And when you look at it, we stayed internal. With, a, with an athletic department that appears to be in turmoil, with budget cuts, and the, the fan base being more disconnected than it had been in a long time. And I just go, man, what a missed opportunity where for her to make a stamp on – the University of Idaho. And like I'm not saying that necessarily that would have been a good thing. Because we could look back in three years and have made the tournament and we'll be like Zach Kloss was the, absolutely the right guy. But I just feel like I had built up that we were finally gonna see some like of what Terry Gallup could do. Especially since this is her ter- first time in an a A D role. See if she could have made a get somebody from one of the Wisconsin areas or somebody that has ties to Wisconsin or something and instead we just got somebody who's been here it feels it feels it feels very rob spear we went with what was comfortable and familiar it, it's like you look at it the rob Akey hire in football was something that was so shocking because it was like the first time in a while that we hadn't really gone too into ties with idaho between you know having cable and i guess you had nick holt but and then you had erickson and even Akey was a defensive coordinator at washington state and Idaho just doesn't make the bold, flashy – No, I'm not saying flashy, but the bold hire. And I feel like this was just another look at that. When when Verlin is probably considered one of the bolder hires we've ever made, um, and I think we all agree that Verlin significantly improved our basketball program. It had been bad for a while. And then in the late 2000s and early 2010s and up to last season, we had been consistently considered a top team in the WAC and a top team, or at least a mid-to-top team in the WAC and in the Big Sky, which is something that we weren't even close to before he came in. And I just, I'm just really bummed. I was expecting a bigger hire or something just that felt different or a search that came up with names that were different. So there's a couple parts I want to I want to look at with that. The mm-hmm. first is not that we're going to try to relitigate the past because it's over. And we on this show were on the record that we thought the Verlin process was awful. Yeah. Do but when we were talking about that that process, one of the things we we landed on is like, hey, maybe it was the right time that he left. Um, but you know, we we would never wish anyone get screwed out of their job like he did. Yeah. But just talking about him leaving now, if he was gonna leave, maybe that was the yes. time to have him go. Hundred percent. Do you still? If you would have known 
we were going to internally hire a guy who didn't show that much growth the next year, would you have been like, would you have thought, Hey, that Verlin stuff was worth it? No. I mean, if, if we're going to a year ago when we were not even a year ago, cause he was still coaching the team until what, like May or June. Uh, yeah. If you would have told me in May or June or whenever we let Verlin go, I think we all agreed that, okay, going into this year, it's finally time to turn the page. It sucks that we started it so late in the, the coaching hiring cycle. But I'm just not – this is not what I expected. I – you know, I didn't necessarily expect that we would know somebody, but we were just on here, what, two, three weeks ago with uh, Mike Nugent from the Grizz Fan Pod, the Grizz Fan of, uh, affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and we were laying out ideas of maybe trying to go after Monson – or the he mentioned Montana's assistant coach. We talked about all these different possibilities, and especially one of like Terry Gallick having long ties to Wisconsin, finding somebody that had been through the Wisconsin Big Ten basketball program that's continue like always seems to be in the tournament and making deeper runs. It seems every single year, somebody that had ties to that program that was young and maybe at some smaller school like a Char or Charleston or something and. I just we just hired basically a Rob Spear guy. It feels like Rob Spear is still the athletic director. So I just feel like it was a big whiff for Terry as far as I really wanted to splash. But like I said, I'm not – I have higher hopes that Kloss can make it. I think if he was an internal guy, we'd be a lot more stoked about this. It just feels like nothing really happened. It feels like the interim tag was just wasted. They should have just hired him back in May. Oh, absolutely. And before, and I, I, I'm like you, I think there are, look, we, everyone can hear this. They can tell we're not ecstatic about the news. I think there's reason to be hopeful. Of course, yes. we'll get to that. But one more thing that I think is important is, you know, we've been talking for a while and not just we, I mean, alums about Idaho is going to have the best basketball, basketball facility in the conference. We're going to use that new facility as part of our potential sale to land a big name so we can be as certain as we can that one, there's enthusiasm for the program, but there's also reason to be confident in the new name leading the the program. Yeah. I think we just risked throwing a lot of that enthusiasm out the window. Mm -hmm. If if Klaus doesn't show significant growth next year, um, I, I don't look, I don't know what, how people should be excited about like, well, Hey, we have a new arena, but it's the same old guy. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's move into the positives. Um, actually, I just want your, your, I guess, response on that real quick. And then we'll, we'll do this before we move into positives for those of you that are on YouTube. Uh, if you have questions before we move on, cause we'll probably hit two more subjects on this and then we'll move into covering the tight ends. But I want your kind of response on, I mean, do you feel like, as far as what I said, with it felt like Terry Gallo just missed on her first chance to make a splash on the University of Idaho. Oh, oh yeah, 100%. I feel like she missed. But the thing I'm going to throw in there, there's recent news out of the Argonaut that the athletic department's running a $2 million yes, deficit. that's true. I am curious how much of this was, hey, let's get a competent guy for basketball. Like, yeah, it's not exciting, but... Uh, at least we, we pocket enough money to not cut sports. Yeah. Because, 
I do agree with you that I think part of the big concern here is everybody said it when we made the initial drop to the FCS was swimming and diving and women's soccer are probably on the chopping block. I'm f- it's hard to argue which sports should, but I would like to see soccer stay. I feel like it's a bit more of a spectator sport. You can actually sell tickets to it where I went to one swim and dive match and I've never been to a golf tournament. But I understand there's different things that go on with those two sports. So I'm not saying we pick one sport over the other, but it's just I agree with you that it's obviously that's been holding over our head the whole time. And what was nice about the Argonaut piece that uh, we'll probably we might have time to cover at the end, but or in another episode is the school seems to finally and we were talking to I believe it was Alex Boatman who brought this up on one of the previous episodes. They're officially being as transparent as possible with all of us. They are saying, this is where we're at in the budget. We're no longer counting tickets sold. We're going to start counting butts in seats. Like, they are trying to be like, we've tried to, you know, slide a hand you all these years that, like, yeah, we were one of the bottom FBS teams, but, you know, we're still selling 15,000 tickets a game and uh, all this other stuff. And, oh, we have this really strong Vandal Scholarship Fund and – we have no problems. We don't have to play these money games. We're just doing it to support some of our other sports. And um, I think we're starting to see that, no, money has been an issue for a while, and we've more just been – it's been neglected. And I think this is exactly what this is. Uh, Sean kind of nailed it in our group message when he just said, we're broke. Uh, it, it shows. I think it makes the Paul Petrino stuff make a lot more sense. Uh, but I think this really shows it to a lot of people that – Man, it's a lot worse than we thought it was. That we couldn't even find somebody in a salary. I like we said, none of the salary news is broke by the time we're recording this. So, but I imagine Zach Kloss is not going to be one of the higher-paid basketball coaches. I don't think he's going to be. He's probably going to be middle to bottom, probably middle. But I think we were all expecting to probably make a top four salary basketball signing and a name that you could be like. Yes, and everybody would be like, yes, where this feels like so many people are like, eh, I don't know. Like, it could work out, and we'll all be stoked because he's, like, such an Idaho guy, or it's going to be, like, blow up in our face, and we're going to be doing the same thing in two years, probably with basketball and football, and you're just going to be like, what a mess. Like, this, it's just been the reclaimed last, last decade. It's just going to be five years of what the heck just happened. Oh, yeah, and the other thing with, with this hire – when you have a new guy come in, you know, people will – I don't know if suspend disbelief is the right term, but, like, let's look at um, – is it Kyle Smith at Washington State, the guy they hired from University mm-hmm. of San Francisco? Yeah. You know, you get a new guy who comes in, people will pause on expectations for a minute and say, like, okay, well, like, you know, hey, he needed a year, but, you know, we're seeing this growth. Claus is going to come in with a significantly under 500 record scoring margin worst or near worst in the league. You got to some of the moral victory stuff is a stretch. So, I mean, he hopefully we it, this year was just not going to work. Yeah. And as he gets new players, things change. And I believe it's feasible for that to happen. But he's going to have to earn all the enthusiasm back to the program, whereas a new hire is just going to be granted some yeah. because they're new. Yep. All right. Uh, so Martin did hit us with a question on YouTube. So we'll start with his and cover his hashtag. 
if anybody else asks after that, we will add on to it real quick, and then we'll move in the tight ends because we do have time limits trying to hit. Oh, we just got one more from Cap Dan. So we'll start with Martin, then we'll hit Cap Dan. Uh, so Martin's first one. We'll just tie them together. Uh, he asked the hashtag AskTATC, what are some positives to the Zach Kloss hire? Let's hit that. And then he wants to know, what are you going to say would be big strides for Kloss next year? Middle of the pack in the conference? So I guess what do you say next year would be a successful? And you can be like, all right, maybe this is the right hire. Now, positives for Kloss. Whether or not you like the Stu Moral offense stuff that Verlin did, that's kind of what Kloss does. Kloss seems like a much more player-friendly version of Verlin. So we have some of the similar strategies that did were that were effective at Idaho. Like even if you're me and you moan because you wish that you feel like we could have maximized more talent, Verlin had some successful years, no question. Mm-hmm. Um, Kloss, I would say, is much closer to being uh, what I think some of the newer wave of coaches are in that they're a little bit look they're still they still care about discipline they still care about all the stuff that we want to be generalizable from sports to you know your actual world or academics but he seems much more player friendly or player centric um, and maybe that kind of orientation is going to be real helpful for the program and for being able to land the next generation of big recruits uh, the team's also playing harder uh, on defense the team's being a little bit more successful on defense too. Now, some of that might just be having new guys um, because we did have huge turnover from last year to this year. But those are the two big positives to me. Player-friendly guy who you could understand, maybe a player above our typical recruiting class decides, you know what, I want to be the top scorer for that guy. I'm going to buy in. Um, And the defense as well. Those are the two main positives I'd say right now. You know, everyone seems to like Kloss. Even people like us who are disappointed with how the hire went, it's not like we think we got an awful hire or anything. It's more we think we might have thrown away the chance for a huge – an enthusiasm jump or some other asset. Yeah. It, uh, but there's no no question. Kla- Kloss is a smart guy. Kloss is a hard worker. We're, we're going to get – I think we'll see some improvement, no question, in the next couple of years. Yep. Um, so I guess that goes along with – so both ca- uh, Captain – so I think Dan and Martin, <laughs> what do you think? Dan wants to know how many wins next season will make you feel better about the hire. And what would you say if, for Martin's what's considered good next year? Is it finishing middle of the pack, winning some conference tournament games? Or I, I know for me, it would be not being in last place. If we've been in last place for two years. I would like to be at least in middle seed next year. And then I would say in two years, I expect us to be back in the top four. So I have very high standards I'm going to be setting for this because he's someone that's been around the program. He's seen it when it's good. So I expect him to get us back to that. Uh, So as far as for me, I expect middle of the pack next year, and I expect top four in the pack the following year. Uh, I don't know how long his contract is yet. yet, Like we said, we're waiting for those details to come out. Um, As far as wins, I'd like to see 10 to 12, probably maybe even more, probably – Probably 13, 13-ish wins. Hopefully, all of them D1. Um, or, you know, no no D2 losses or anything like that. So, uh, just no, uh, like, holy crap losses would be more my thing for next year. So, as context for this, 
Uh, Chris, you're aware that Northern Arizona, they, they changed coaches from last season, this season. You're aware of that, right? Yes. Northern Arizona's made some pretty big strides. Um, they went from 10 and 21 last year, including eight conference wins. Uh, they were third, they were third to last so um, ninth place in conference to this season. The NAU is fourth in conference, 15, 11 overall nine and eight in conference. You know, teams still have about four or five games left. Yeah. Um, I, that's the kind of jump I think we need to see of from bottom of the conference to contending for a fourth or fifth seed. If we don't get a if we don't get a buy in the tournament, which top five seeds get a first round buy in the Big Sky tournament, mm-hmm. if we don't get a buy and finish like sixth, I'm gonna say that's fine. But if we if we're wanting to say like, hey, we're seeing measurable growth, look, I'm not. I don't think finishing bottom half of the conference can be on the table, because this season when we weren't that good, look, we make five more shots, we're above Idaho State maybe competing with Sac State for third to last in conference, but like that's not still not that big a deal. I think if an actual jump is competing for that first round buy in the Big Sky Tournament, which likely means uh, definitely – that means we'll, there's a very good chance we'd have to have a winning record in conference. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where we kind of stand on the, the cost higher. Obviously, we'll probably have more to talk about it next week when we actually have some salary numbers uh, and years. But uh, as far as that, I, I think that – Pretty well wraps up unless you have any closing points on it before we move into the spotlighting the tight ends. It's one one last point about comparison Mm -hmm. and what is successful for the next couple years. You know, Don Verlin, his first year, took over a team that was what last place in conference, and we had our first winning. We had he gave he got them to a winning record. It wasn't like exactly five hundred; it was a little bit above five hundred, but it was around a ten to twelve win jump. I'm not saying that's the baseline for a turnaround because that's a huge turnaround, but that is what we should be talking about more is whether a guy truly turned a program around yeah. versus like right now we've been talking about it truly is moral victories Yeah. that sometimes I feel because we're vandals in a real rough stretch of being vandals, it is easy to accidentally you know drop the bar of what you hope we can be. I think the comparison has to be Okay, he might not be able to turn around like Don Verlin in a year, but how far from Verlin's one-year turnaround can he get? Yep, and yeah, I mean, like I said, I just I think people underestimate how good Verlin was for the program when he came in. Uh, moving in to the tight end spotlight, but before we do that, uh, do you wish Idaho had a better national image? Do you want Idaho to find the next great coach and maintain all the great ones we already have? Man, that line is not fitting well today. Uh, what are what about winning more <laughs> Big Sky national championships? Well, these are all things that your local Vandal Scholarship Fund is a part of. All of that and much more while fulfilling the most important mission of all, making sure our student athletes are awarded. Oh, well, following Vandal Scholarship part of it. Uh, more filling the most important mission, making sure all of our student athletes are awarded scholarships. There's no better time than now to give to the VSF. The ICCU arena has broken ground. Our student athletes are reaching historic marks on the courts, fields, pools, and most importantly in the classroom. Show our new leadership how proud you are to be a Vandal and th- that you're excited to help. Donate to the VSF today. 
and help reclaim Idaho's lost decade. All right. Uh, tight ends. So we'll do what we did last week. We'll, we'll roll through the recruits. We kind of have some questions. If you guys have questions, on hit us up on YouTube. But we're just going to roll through them. We only lose one guy, uh, which is uh, Hyde from last year, who only had, I believe, I don't have the stats pulled up right now, but I believe it was like three catches for one yard or one yard or one catch for three yards. It was very minimal. So we pretty much have all of our returning production. He did start in all 12 games and a big contributor on special teams. But we're not covering special teams just yet. So as Can far I as – check you real quick? Yes. You mean Luke Hyde? Yes. The guy who graduated? Yep. He had one catch for zero yards. One catch for zero yards. So we have all of our res- production coming back except one reception. So we should be fine. But you'll see the tight ends weren't really a huge part of it. Starting with uh, Connor Whitney, 6'3", 220-pound junior. Played in all 12 games last year. 25 receptions, 314 yards, two TDs. If there's a guy coming back, that's the guy you're excited is coming back. Dalton Cash. Uh, yeah, Taylor Cash's uh, younger brother, taller brother, uh, 6'4", 247 pounds. I made the – it's probably not, but uh, I, I just love the Cash joke. There's only so many Cashes <laughs> that can be out in the world. Maybe, long lost. Maybe T Cash can chime in and let us know. Um, 6'4", 247-pound junior. He played in seven games last year. No stats. I do remember him when he was getting recruited in. Uh, he's actually a guy that will probably be a little bit productive for us. So expect – he played in seven games last year. Expect some stats at least next year. Uh, Logan Kendall, 6'4", 264-pound junior from Cheney, Washington. So one of those local guys people have been wanting for a while. He played in all 12 games as well. Uh, had 10 receptions for 87 yards. Also kind of doubles as a little bit of a fullback on some plays. Uh, had some rushes last year. Um, Hayden Hatton is a 6'2", 214-pound linebacker, uh, not linebacker, 214-pound sophomore. Played in all 12 games last year as a true freshman. 10 receptions, 181 yards, two touchdowns. One of those receptions was that one-handed grab from DJ Lee that was so sick against Wyoming. Da-na-na, da-na-na. So excited to have him back. Uh, Jack Schuster. 6'3", 203-pound sophomore, true sophomore, so a freshman last year. Uh, no stats. Then incoming recruits, we have Jake Cox, 6'3", 226-pound uh, tight end out of Coronada, Coronada High School. Uh, in high school, had 11 receptions for 127 yards and two touchdowns, but that was for a very run-heavy offense. So... Any of these guys, I mean, just that you want to cover a little bit more in depth that we did. I mean, actually, we could probably, because it's not the wide receivers, talk about each guy a little bit more. So let's do that. Connor Whitney. What do you expect to see out of Connor Whitney next year, Brian? You know, last week, one of one of our discussion points was who's going to be the number three receiver. To me, the best candidate to truly be the number three receiver in terms of receptions yeah is is connor whitney he was our number three last year it he seems like a great candidate you know he averaged 26 yards per game receptions he seems like a great candidate to uh maybe take that up a little bit now you might have better historical background than i do i don't believe university of idaho is precisely tight end you but 
you know, we, we've seen Connor Whitney be productive already. We, you know, he had two touchdowns last year, had a 58 yard reception as well. He's the, he's the guy that I guess I'm most excited to see whether there, he can, he takes the next step and let's say goes from like 25 to 32 ish receptions. Yeah. Um, to be fair though, we actually, <laughs> you are, you are slightly incorrect. We, we do have a good history, at least recently of producing some bit of tight ends. I mean, yeah, Deion Watson who bounced back a little bit, you know, back and forth and Buck Cowan. I think that's what you got to look at as we go through this list. Think how good our offense was when we had two solid dudes at tight end. I know Deion Watson played a little bit more flex than just strictly tight end. Same with Buck, really. But um, we've seen what we can do with a two tight end system. Then you go back to the achy days with Daniel Hardy. And I can't remember the guy, but he was actually drafted in 2000, God, 2007, 2008. Um, Eddie, I believe. Eddie something. But so, we, I mean, in the last. 11 years we've had a guy a tight end drafted. So, especially when you consider how many players we've had drafted. But I do think you're kind of right where I'm not sure if that's really Petrino's go-to. But I would like to see what we have with, like, Buck and uh, Dion, where it's just two unstoppable dudes up the seam. But Connor Whitney, like you said, he played in all 12 games. Uh, I believe he played – he might have played in – Ten, you might you have the stats probably pulled up. Did he play in all eleven games his fresh or his sophomore year as well? Uh, sorry, Connor Whitney. Yes. I only got I only have this year's stats ahead of me. Okay. Forget me, guys. Uh, Great content. Sorry about that. No, no, you're fine. I I believe he played in all the games last year. Um, oh, when we got it from Nate Mink. Thank you, Eddie Williams. Yes, that was the guy that was drafted. Um, but yeah, twelve. Connor Whitney, I believe, has not been hurt. And he's been reliable, which is something we noticed in offense the last couple of years, uh, really for the whole team, is just having – we have great starters. It's keeping guys on the field. Uh, the next guy, Dalton Cash, so Taylor Cash, his long-lost cousin. Uh, what do you expect to see out of him? Because Connor Whitney, I agree with you. I think he's going to take a big step forward. If, like I said, Cottrell Haywoods from last week's stats, I expect to stay similar but he's going to be more beneficial to the offense because he's going to draw so much more attention next year. I do think one of the guys that's going to benefit from that and will see a stat increase is going to be Connor Whitney. Uh, but Dalton Cash, no stats, played in seven games last year. He's got the size. If you look at our tight ends, the next two we're going to talk about are by far the guys that you would, if I listed to you height and weight, you would go, oh, they're tight ends. Like Connor Whitney, 6'3", 220. Some FBS schools have that as a wide receiver. Uh, Hayden Hatton later, we, we 214 pounds, 6'2". Schuster, 203 pounds, 6'3". I think we actually had a, a uh, wide receiver who was bigger than that. So we don't necessarily have – we follow this, the same scheme we talked about last week with the wide receivers. We don't have a lot of size, but Dalton Cash is one of the guys with size. I'd like to see him play a bigger role. Yeah, no, 100% with you. Jumping back one step just to verify, Chris, you were correct. Connor Whitney played 11 games in 2018, one touchdown. Okay. So, I mean, his uh, but increase. Yeah. yeah, you're correct. He's, he has been a steady contributor as since in his two years at Idaho. Yeah. Yeah, Dalton Cash. So that's a, you know, he's a guy who would be great for us if he can produce, if he can be someone who produces. Uh, for you know the obvious reason of it's great to have more players who, who are threats, but also because of his size, he might be more of an asset blocking as well. 
Yes. Yeah. And you know, like Bobby Bobby Hauk in Montana was famous for his old you know two tight end sets. And then when he came back, he actually had to convert a bunch of some some tight ends into linemen. Yeah. Uh, because of what they had. I'm not advocating for that with Dalton Cash, but I'm saying he's a guy who, if, if he can be a good enough receiver, um, you know, he's a guy who you could have, you know, in, and it's not what you'd call trick plays, let's say, but because he is a, a guy who is a threat to be a, an asset as a blocker as well, if he can become a target, it's a next, it's an extra weapon that other teams have to key in instead of a guy who just gets like a couple catches. Yep. Um, Next up, Logan Kendall, 6'4", 264, so slightly more weight on him. Uh, but he's a guy also played in all 12 games last year. He's the Cheney Washington guy, doubled a little bit of fullback. He got a little bit of running. Uh, 12 games, 10 receptions, 87 yards, no touchdowns. But if you're looking for – I mean, I think we're going to get into this debate a little bit later. We really have three guys, and I actually think I'm going to throw a fourth one in for being serious contributors next year. One of the guys you got to look at is is Kendall. Now, I don't know because without looking at all the game film, which is impossible to find on Pluto, I don't know how many of these ten receptions came out of the backfield as like a fullback on a play action pass, you know, or something along those lines. I don't know how many how much of the production came strictly at the tight end, but either way, he's a guy that's put up some numbers. And what we talked about last year or last week, a lot of the wide receivers didn't have receptions. I think, in fact. The three tight ends we talked about have more receptions than our third highest pass catching wide receiver last year. So tight ends are going to be important. And I, I think Logan Kendall's a guy that we should expect to take a little bit of a leap forward. That being said, I do think at 6'4, 264, he probably, that height white combo is a little bit better as like a lead blocking fullback, but we'll see. I, he could thin down or he just plays fast at 264 and he's a perfect tight end. You're correct. Uh, three tight ends had more reception, receptions than Jonte Boston, and three tight ends had more receptions than DJ Lee. And DJ Lee is our guy coming back. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I don't have much to, to to disagree with on that and really add to it, Chris. I, I think Logan... We, we, we we're talking about how we have some tight ends who can possibly do more than one thing to justify being on the field. And if, if they can do more than one thing, be an asset in more than one way, that's another where our offense with a quarterback can stretch the field, um, that our offense could be more exciting and unpredictable than it has been the last few years. Yep. And the cool, I mean, just dream scenario here, right? Logan Kendall catches the ball over the middle. Ty Graham will be playing for Cheney next year. His, his transfer rules out. He tries to come lay the wood on Logan Kendall in Cheney. Ooh, I want to see that explosion, and I want to see Kendall just go right over the top of him. Those two would probably get up and jar at each other pretty friendly. You know, you know, competitive. Uh, I, I'd love to see that. That would be one of those moments where, like, last where I really wanted to see, like, Mason Petrino versus Kreiner and just see, like, Mason just juke Kreiner out of his shoes or something. It's some stories like that that make playing in the big sky fun as you're getting kids from, like, Cheney, Washington that will go play against Eastern. And kid, uh, if you're us, we have kids from Coeur d'Alene, somewhere that we would consider our home base, like Jerry Louie McGee and the uh, – I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but the quarterback who just went over to go play safety for him next year or last year for Montana. Like, it was kind of fun when Jerry Louie McGee was in the Dome. I enjoyed getting to see him in Missoula this year. So 
it's fun to see some of that. And obviously, Logan Kendall's a great example of that. And a lot of these guys are local guys. A lot of Spokane and everything on that. A guy who's not a local guy, but uh, might as well be one of the fan favorites going into the team next year. Hayden Hatton, 6'2", 214. 12 games as a true freshman last year. Uh, 10 receptions, 181 yards, two touchdowns. That's... I think he's going to take a huge step forward. That, that is impressive numbers, as we've talked about with our offensive struggles last year, to put up as a true freshman. I, I have huge hopes for him. I actually think he has the best chance to jump Logan Kendall and become the true number two tight end, be the Deion Watson to a Buck Cowan or vice versa. But uh, I have high hopes for Hayden. He is one of my top players to watch going into next year for all positions. So it will be no... No surprise when I say player to most watch later, but I mean, you got anything on Hayden Hatton other than those hands? What I have on Hayden is, you know, when we do these pre previews, a lot of times we're speculating upon speculation. Like, you know, if it's a freshman, we haven't actually seen him play. Yeah. We've seen this guy produce against good teams. Yep. If there's a candidate to make a step up, it's a freshman who had a solid season on a team that probably couldn't have exploited his talents as well or because of how just how damn good Jeff Cotton was and getting open and how he monopolized so many catches. Um, it's the kind of situation where a guy just doesn't get the same opportunity he might have otherwise but still put up some solid stats. Yeah, I'm excited about Hayden Hatton in the spring game. He's definitely going to be one of the guys yes. I'm looking forward to to see. All right, is he, is he a one for sure? Or, you know, when we start the season, I, I wouldn't be floored if – we, we see number 80 called a few more times, yeah. and luckily, particularly in the red zone. Yeah, and, and luckily, we've got Connor Whitney, so it's not like we need him to take this step forward, right? It's a, it's a want, and if he doesn't do it, we have faith in Logan Kendall to be able to do it. Maybe even Dalton Cash, and we'll get into some of the other. we got still two more guys to preview. It's just that if Hayden can take that jump, it's going to be really awesome for this offense. We don't need him to take it. We have some other guys, but he is the guy you're like, he is he is poised to make this jump going into oh, and, the season. Oh, and also, you know, last week we talked about, hey, some of the we have. I mean, it might not be the biggest concern, but we're a little bit concerned that a lot of our receivers are like five ten ish. Hayden Hatton, Connor Whitney, maybe they'll just be the red zone targets. They're right. both six two six three. Hayden Hatton's pretty. I mean, he his highlight play wasn't like a seven yard dump off where he ran over a guy. Yeah. His highlight play was looking like a pretty phenomenal athlete hey, yeah. maybe he's the guy in his third start ever at, at a d1 level against a fbs squad from the mountain west conference so i mean yeah but set, just poised to take that jump forward um a guy who i would assume we're going to use that red shirt rule on but obviously none of the red shirts have been slapped on yet because they're waiting to see who's healthy going into the season jack schuster uh, 6'3", 203 pounds, true sophomore. No stats, no games last year. So, obviously a guy that you're like, hmm, true sophomore. You're probably not going to redshirt Hayden because he could be an immediate contributor. Then you've got two juniors in Logan Kendall and Dal or uh, three in Dalton Cash, Connor Whitney, and Logan Kendall. So, now you have this opportunity to put Schuster in a spot where he redshirts. And we'll talk about Jake Cox in a little bit. If he doesn't play in five games next year, then you have two... Uh, you have a red shirt sophomore and a red shirt freshman, which then you'll have all those other guys be seniors in the next year. That means in the future we're set with Hayden Hatton as a junior, 
Then you'll have Schuster as a redshirt sophomore and Jake Cox possibly as a redshirt freshman or true sophomore. So we'll still have a really young core of protective guys coming up. I'm sure I don't have to tell the coaching staff that. They're probably already on it, but it just makes the most sense that he gets redshirted. So I'm not sure if we should expect to see too much from him this year, honestly. But the other thing is, I mean, maybe. We I, we haven't seen him in practice yet. A lot of this is so when we're all at the spring game, we know who to look at. Jack Schuster's one of those guys. Is, is he a guy that we're like, wait, why did he not get any snaps last year? Or, wow, he's really taking a step forward. He's one of those guys that if we weren't doing the spotlight, you probably wouldn't even know was on the roster. And sometimes those guys turn out to be some of the best players we have or biggest contributors. Maybe not their true sophomore year, but as they get into the redshirt juniors or senior years. So uh, he's got he's got six three. He's got the height compared to some of these guys. So I, I'll be interested to see in another year in the weight room at 203 probably won't hurt him either. No, and this is a position similar to it's not it's not like our linebackers to the extent that our linebackers might be the best core in the entire conference. Oh, I can't wait um, for linebackers next next week, I believe. Yeah, but our tight ends, we have three underclassmen who produced, you know, I mean not spectacular, but in a salt they produced solidly. Mm-hmm. If you're a freshman who didn't play at all, hey, you know what, maybe buy in a year so that Logan Kendall is a senior when you're a sophomore so that when you're a junior, you're much more likely to get some snaps. Yeah. If, you know, hey, maybe that's the best way you develop. Yep. Um, which leaves the most developmental tight end on the roster uh, out of UTEP, or UTEP, out of El Paso, uh, Jake Cox, 6'3", 226. He's already got the height and the size that some of these guys don't have. Um in high school, we already covered it. 11 receptions, 127 yards, two touchdowns, but in a very run-heavy offense, which I know we've been talking about Buck Cowan, Deion Watson. Man, we have some – if we're excited about talking about running backs or linebackers, we should be equally stoked when we get to talk about our running backs here in a little bit because our running backs are also really good, and they're young. And having a guy like this that has been in a run-heavy offense and can block – will be beneficial. You ever go like a three tight end set goal line, you're probably running to Jake Cox's side, even as a true freshman. That's why I don't know if the returning production we have, tight end wasn't really a position of need for us as we covered. Hyde did not really leave us too much. I mean, special teams, but from tight end production, we didn't lose a lot. We lost one reception. So this is a guy where I would expect to utilize him in that four-game role. Maybe we're blowing somebody out or getting blown out or it's a really close game and we need to go for two or we're on the one. That's where you go, Jake, you're one of our best blocking tight ends. Get in there and utilize those four games to the best of our ability. But I definitely think he's a guy you slap a red shirt on because I think him coming back as a redshirt freshman. Then you have hopefully Jack Schuster as a redshirt sophomore you have some youth in there going in because eventually it is going to be a position of need. Kendall is going to graduate, and so is Connor Whitney. And we lost Harrison Ashby last year to transferring, who was supposed to be that young guy that was going to take the step um, and be along with these guys, but he's gone. And so I expect Jake Cox to kind of fill that role that Harrison that we kind of lost when Harrison uh, transferred out. So I have a lot of faith in Jake. He already has some of the height and size. 
I think we utilize him for four games, but I don't expect him to be a huge contributor next year. He's a guy that next year when we're doing this spotlight, we'll have to remind you about and be like, yo, we said this guy could have contributed. It just didn't make sense to have him contribute too much last year as a true freshman. 100% with you. And when you have a player who comes out of an offense that just doesn't give them a chance to do as much, yeah. uh, those are the guys who, hey, maybe they need a little more seasoning. But at the same time, I'm not saying I'd bet on Jake Cox becoming our number one tight end. Guys who were able to shine in spite of not getting much of a shot, yeah, you know, th- those are kind of diamond in the rough candidates. So I'm not going to uh, disregard Jake Cox, but I think the safest gamble is, yeah, probably redshirt. Yeah, but, I mean, you kind of brought up a good point. He's in a run-heavy offense. Who knows what happens when he gets in an offense that likes to pass it to him. We could see him in the spring game and go, oh, my God, he is by far our best tight end. And just go, he just didn't get to showcase it in high school. So another reason why the spring – well, we probably won't see him in the spring game. But So, you know, coming into summer ball and the first game of the year, you might be like, holy crap, who's this Jake Cox guy? How did we not know about him? It's like, well, because he ran, played on a very run-heavy offense in high school – and then he finally got to an offense where they're like, run up the seam and we'll throw you a ball. We expect you to be Deion Watson or Buck Cowan. And he, he can do it. We'll see. I mean, we forget. Those guys were four-year contributors. Um, so, I mean, it's not unheard of. But, the, I mean, that's kind of who we got coming back next year, you guys. Uh, Brian, your projected starters. Mine, you know, if we're going two tight end sets, Connor Whitney's going to be your one. Hayden Hatton's going to be your two in my projection. I do expect Logan Kendall to get snaps, though. Uh, the problem is our tight ends have been really healthy, so that it, it's nice to know that we probably won't deal with injuries. But if we do, I think you go one, Whitney, two, Hatton, three, probably Kendall. And then I think it's probably going to be for that little bit of extra playing time. It's going to be between Dalton Cash and Jake Cox. I know exactly what you meant when you said the problem is our tight ends have been healthy. <laughs> But uh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about our tight ends being healthy. So, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm with you. Connor Whitney and Hayden Hatton are the safest people to pencil in a starting. Logan Kendall will continue to get some reps as well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, we have we have a few candidates to either, you know, see kind of cycle through due to the redshirt. Uh, the redshirt rule that we our team has used that as a way to try to <laughs> develop players. Mm-hmm. But. If, if you're a listener and you're like, hey, who are the who are the two names to most likely pay attention to? Connor, Whitney, Hayden, Hatton, but don't forget Logan Kendall. Yep, exactly. And don't be surprised if you see Cash or Cox on a jersey in, in a couple games. But, yeah, I would expect you probably don't see any Schuster. Well, we'll see. I just – going in the spring game, keep your eye on Hatton, keep your eye on Whitney, and then kind of see what Kendall and Cash can do. Uh, but it's going to be it's going to be a position that we're more set in going into the next year, and we have some guys. So be be excited at the tight end position because it is a position that's sometimes kind of hard to find guys. So uh, we're set. Uh, we're actually have a really quick podcast. We've Klaus took a while, but like I kind of predicted, the tight ends went fast. So we we kind of went over all the hashtag AskTATCs. Brian, unless you have any other closing vandal points you want to make before we kind of close the bar first question for you you were yes. talking about buck cowan yes did you mean trent cowan yes okay trent trent goes by buck oh forgive me because yeah. I, I i was looking up stats real quick i i uh, found stats for trent cowan just want to make sure his senior year 
48 catches for 547 yards and six touch touchdowns were not overlooked. So yeah. congrats for that, Trent. But hey, just quick shout out for you. Yep. And I mean, no, man, those are the big things. Um, I, I I just think broadly as Vandals, it is important to remember that we're in a really dire stretch relative to like almost any set of programs. Um, if we can, if we can find a way to get, if we can keep enthusiasm through these, through these rough times, football season, there's reason to be optimistic. And if we can, you know, if we can get some sort of turnaround in this coming season, I think it's going to start to feel a little bit different. It's just right now, you know, like when we were talking about the Zach Kloss hire as, okay, this is kind of underwhelming. Um, I think part of that just comes within the context of we have had two real rough years. Yeah. And though the rough years suck, a football turnaround will will bring people back. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I'm we're tr- I'm not trying to drink the Kool Aid, but I'm I just have a good feeling. It's not necessarily the Kool Aid. I I just really have a good feeling going into next year. We just had T T J was just open over yesterday. And we were just chatting, and you know, for those of you guys that are aware, like you know, TJ doesn't do much when it's not football season for us. But we were just chatting, and he just goes, "Like, hey, I've been looking into it. Like, I looked at that Mike Beaudry stuff. I'm super stoked for CJ Jordan." And he goes, "I just really think that with Paul Petrino still at the helm, that was the right call. I think, like, what we'll be able to do." And it was just, I haven't seen him in the off season be that excited. For like an upcoming season that's months away, he's pretty much football ends. He follows the women's basketball team. Um, he has ties to it, which is why we don't have him on the podcast. He doesn't want to upset the people that he knows that are a part of the program. But um, I, I haven't seen him talk football this early, so I hope that that bug is spreading amongst the Vandal Nation. And now that we can kind of move past what's happened with the FCS drop and everything else that's happened along with it. That we can just focus on this is where we are, and we do have a a coach that can recruit, and we've gotten some recruits in. We've talked about how many freshmen and sophomore contributors we've had in the last couple of years, and it, it appears that the tight end position with a guy like Hayden Hatton and these these juniors like Kendall Cash and Whitney, like uh, it's just another example that we're, we're pretty well poised to be in a good spot going forward. Yeah, we, we are probably better than it feels sometimes. You yeah. know, the other thing with football. It's hard to believe now. <laughs> you, you know, the other thing with football, too, is we – again, this is the thing that maybe it's just because, you know, we talk about this every week. I, I kind of forget about it because we try to not talk about the same topic all the time. Getting through the underlying story of the last two football seasons was not normal. That was part of why I think it was hard for some people when things didn't work out. We definitely lose a negative storyline from a certain family dynamic not existing anymore. And just the subtraction of reasons for people to be negative or cynical will feel like the addition of an asset to the program. I'm 100% on the – it's like how they changed the name of Safeco Field. I refuse to know it as anything but Safeco Field, uh, the baseball stadium here in Seattle. That's how I treat last the last two football seasons. It happened, but I'm I'm done with it. I'm I'm so focused on this, and those storylines are done. We can't fix anything about it. Uh, I that's why I think I'm just all in. I love this spotlight series that we're doing because it's totally what's upcoming, and I think that's what this 
fan base. So every all you guys listening and all your friends, if you talk about it, just be like, yeah, you know what? The last couple of years have sucked. Not just the last two, for being honest. 2017 was a huge letdown after 2016. So it's been three years of real, well, two and a half years of just like, ugh. And even with the SCS stuff looming in 2016, you could say four years. So we have a lot to look forward to football-wise. Hopefully, as we talked about with Zach Kloss, we have a lot to look forward to basketball-wise. Because, uh, once again, it's done and dusted. There's nothing we can do about it. It's kind of like the football narrative. You might not like the hire. Like we've discussed, we want to see something a little bit more flashy, a little bit more Terry Gallick making her own stamp, a little less Rob Spear 2.0. Um, but we didn't get it. But that being said, Zach Kloss is a coach that's got these guys fighting right now who will have a full offseason instead of a half offseason. Let's see what the guy can do and look forward to what comes. We have some young guys on this team. I think we've talked about it on basketball. We're only losing two people. Paul Petrino has brought in two top 20 recruiting classes since he's been at Idaho. And, and a lot of those guys have been contributing immediately, like Hayden Hatton and uh, a bunch of the other linebackers and running backs. And we have tons of people contributing. So um, just better times ahead. Remember that. And we'll finally watch this all. On April 17th, before the spring game, SCS versus FBS, airing of the Dirty Laundry live episode. For those of you that tuned in on YouTube, thank you. That's where we'll be doing that. For those of you that want to be a part of it, that aren't going to make it up to the spring game, but hopefully you do. We actually have made shirts. They're selling literally to where we don't make any money. It's just the company that prints them in shipping uh, called FCSer and FBSer. I got the idea watching uh, First Take during the Super Bowl where they all had that stuff. And I'm like, it would be cool if we, if people actually show up to this thing. And at least you know what everybody's rooting for. And if not, I don't know. They're kind of cool shirts. But if you're interested, you can find those at teespring.com backslash store backslash tubs dash at dash the dash club. Uh, so that's teespring.com store tubs at the club. And go check those out. I think they're $14.99. Um, but yeah, I bought myself both of them because I'm actually, as the season's gone on, we'll talk about it. I, I don't want to get in April 17th too much, but make sure, hopefully you guys all tune in, at least on YouTube. If you're not there in person, uh, make sure you follow at big sky podcasts on the social medias to get all the big sky podcast network developments and receive content throughout the year. There's a lot of big stuff going on in the big sky podcast network. I mean, what the Eagles power hour is officially on they're recording weekly episodes they've had already vernon adams on they've had the spokesman reviews ryan collingwood on they have another player coming on this week uh the grizz fan pod just had dalton sneed on so big things coming from our cohorts all around and other affiliates on the big sky podcast network so make sure you follow all the work they're doing because we have so many awesome podcasters doing so many awesome things but probably the podcaster we care the most about. Brian, let the people know how they can find you and what you have going on in your life. It's at Brian Marceau. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U. And the big thing I have going on is the countdown until April 17th, right? Yep, April 17th. Yeah, that's my big thing. Yep. Life's always better during football season. Uh, and next week we'll be spotlight spotlighting the linebackers, the nose-cracking, day-ruining uh, Eastern Washington's nightmares linebackers. Uh, so make sure you tune in next week. I'm Chris Hammond. Uh, you can find me at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond on all the social media.
is. And now it is time for the best band. Play us out. The sound of Idaho. Go band. Go band.